Welcome to Camden Cast. I'm Tanby. And I'm Erin. And, and this is the 50th episode of our 7th Heaven podcast. I wanted to say it. <laughs> you can say it too. It's the 50th episode of the podcast. It's no, lost, lost its excitement. Uh, so anyway. You've... We're coming you've to us. Ma- you've made it. We've made it. 50 episodes. We've made it together. And what a way to um, acknowledge this milestone. We have exciting news uh, on our Instagram, at Camden Cast Show. Uh, as you know, a few weeks ago, Lucy, Lucy Camden, nope, <laughs> Beverly Mitchell had liked one of our Instagram Who plays posts. plays Lucy Camden. Yes. But... E- more celebrity acknowledgement. Barry Watson, who plays Matt Camden, not only liked one of our Instagram posts, but also commented and told us that it's great. Yes, it was on that video that we were talking about um, for the horror three movie. or four, three oh four, um, where Ruthie is singing bingo and uh, Annie is playing the piano. So he thinks we're great. He <laughs> put multiple exclamation points after his sentiment as well. Yes. So, I mean, if Beverly Mitchell and Barry Watson are liking our Instagram posts, you should be checking us out on Instagram, too. I mean, I don't want to tell anyone what to do. It's totally up to you. I mean, yes, of course. But it's a a suggestion. Yes. Um, So anyway, in this, our 50th episode of Camden Cast, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 6 of 7th Heaven, the title of which is End the Home of the Brave, or if you are in Germany, it is titled Grandfather's Wedding. And our IMDb user synopsis for this episode is Preparations for Grandpa Charles Jackson's wedding to be celebrated by Eric on Veterans Day go as bad as Annie predicted and hoped, albeit for different reasons, and everyone ends up reconciled with it and each other. Matt grudgingly takes flippant Mary on a road trip, only to find her ignorance as bothersome as a flat. Simon deals with Howie's resurgence. Meanwhile, World War II veteran Sergeant Millard proves less willing to accept help he qualifies for, the extending some to the wedding reception. Lucy is mortally embarrassed when Jordan corrects being presented as her boyfriend, but he only wants to clear the air concerning her past only with Jimmy Moon first. So, um, that's definitely not what, I mean... It's kind of what it's about, but also, like, Simon has his own storyline. He doesn't just deal with Huey's resurgence or, as this person wrote, Howie. I also wouldn't call Mary... Like, the ad- adjective I would use to, like, describe Mary would not be flippant. I mean... Yeah. And also, Lucy is not actually literally mortally embarrassed when she yeah. does not die as a result of her embarrassment. Though that would have been an interesting episode. She, I feel like she's capable of it. Just so. like my thinking that if a rattlesnake bit someone, it would have been an interesting episode. Yeah. So uh, what was your uh, first impression of the episode? You kind of gave a little hint there. Oh, well, I think my first impression was mostly that, I mean, I know it's a television show and they obviously have to create drama and stuff. So a lot of it might not seem natural, but I felt like this episode in particular, everything felt really contrived. Uh, a lot of the fights that took place or the conflicts were very much, there was no, like, it, they just happened and then they stopped. There was no, like, lead up to them whatsoever. Um, and then the resolution was very, like, snappy. Uh, snappy? <laughs> yeah. Um, I didn't, I think usually, like, when they try to create drama, it's done a little better for, like, 
a 45-minute TV show, but this one just, meh. It was flat. This, this episode fell, fl- uh, fell flat, and it sucks because this is our 50th episode. Oh. And we didn't get a good 7th Heaven episode to... There were some good lines and fashion moments, though, yes. so... So stay tuned for those. Um, so we'll start with the cold open? Yes. Oh. Do you have anything to say about the cold open? Yes, Erin, I do. Um, so we start out in the kitchen with all of the Camden kids and Eric Camden. Uh, Annie is nowhere in sight. So uh, what's happening basically is I th- it's the day of the wedding and everybody's making sure that all the chores are done. Uh, then so- suddenly... Well, yeah, it doesn't even seem like they're even... like. Well, I guess the Rev is like, oh, are you all done with your chores? So they've completed the chores before... This is like the morning of the wedding right. we're gathering. And then they all kind of... It sounds like the Rev wants them out of the, like, out of the way because Annie... Um, well, we find out later that she's going to be supposed to be prepping food. So I guess the Rev just wants them all like out of the house while she's prepping food for this wedding reception, which it's left unclear how many people are going to be attending. Um, but we find out the cold open serves the purpose as it usually does to like uh, set up all of the storylines. We find out that Simon uh, will need to stay at the house because he has a per- prospective girlfriend coming over. That Laura has set him up with. <laughs> Laura, remember, is the non-girl from the 21st century, his now ex-girlfriend, who is setting him up with his potentially future girlfriend. Um, and her name is, did I say it was Dina? No, you did not, but it's Dina, and I was very excited because Dina is like the only person that Simon is ever involved in that I like, <laughs> involved with that I like, so... Which, you know... She sticks around. In so. season three, which doesn't bode well for all of the other seasons oh, of no. Seven Heaven. Simon has a terrible, <laughs> terrible romantic uh, history. Or, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's the future for you, I guess. But. Um, and then... So that sets up that. And then we have Jordan. Uh, we find out that Lucy and Jordan are going to be spending the day together and babysitting Ruthie. Uh, and I think... That's it. Well, yeah, Matt and Mary are supposed to go over to the hotel mm-hmm. where uh, Grandpa Charles and Ginger are staying, and I don't exactly know what their purpose is. They're supposed to, like, drive them around. I don't know if they have to, like, pick stuff up for the wedding, but for some reason they're assigned to, like, go and drive uh, Grandpa and Ginger around or something. I guess, like, be their minders. Uh, Annie comes down. She's very much looking disheveled, but in a... She doesn't care, kind of way. What's his face? The Rev says, so do you know what you're doing for the reception? And now, but Annie's like, doesn't really matter. There's not going to be a wedding, Uh, which sets up Annie's kind of state of mind for the rest of the episode. She doesn't believe that her father's actually going to go through with this. She like, well, she's also just projecting. She doesn't want him to go through with it, obviously. So, um, I think that's about... Well, then, then the last scene that we get as part of the cold open is that Grandpa and Ginger are at the Glen Oak Lodge and they are getting two separate, like, hotel room keys and the woman is like, oh, uh, these these are for your rooms for tonight and then let us know when you're ready for the honeymoon suite. So, they're be, I don't know, they're staying in separate rooms and then, for, like, half a day and because they're going to get married that night. Yeah. So... Which I guess has to do with the it's fact just that... just setting up the conflict for them to be in separate rooms when they... Uh, and also for, like, the camera work to do the door slamming in each other's faces. You know, like you do in fights on television. Yes. Um, so we'll start with Simon's storyline. As we said, Simon has a prospective girlfriend candidate. Dina comes over, and it's 
Dina Margaret Stewart. <laughs> but nobody calls her that unless she's getting yelled at. I think the first scene we see them is they're at like a picnic table yes. in the backyard. Um, and this is like kind of the fashion moment. Um, Dina is really rocking like the Y2K look. Um, she, I can't even describe it, but she's got, I, I don't know. She has like know. a denim jacket on. She's wearing um, like a choker necklace. Uh, those were huge in the 90s. I don't think she's wearing that yet. She's wearing that at the end. Oh. But she's got that hat. I yes. don't know how to describe the hat. Is it like it's a floppy a, hat? Like Kind of. It's like a beanie, but bigger. I don't know. <laughs> just think just, about... I did a poor job of, of the, taking note of what she was actually wearing because I was just like, wow, this is very Y2K. But just think about what everybody wore like leading up to the new year. The new the millennium. millennium. And that's what, she, that's what young Dina is wearing. Um, also, fun fact, Dina, whose name I thought was spelled D-I-N-A or D-I-N-A-H is not spelled that way. It's actually spelled... D-N-A-H? D-I-N-A-H. Oh. oh, that's like Dinah. Well, I don't know. Well, anyway, that was a rookie mistake because <laughs> I knew the whole time that it was spelled D-E-E-N-A. Um, so that's exactly when Ruthie stops by with her return of what are we doing? Yes. And we find out that as a part of Simon's like checklist... The vetting, for, yeah. yeah. Uh, for if if Dina's the ne- his next girlfriend, they have to talk about like when they're gonna get married, what song they're gonna get married to, what she thinks about like bonds and investment and stock, <laughs> uh, and other things. Well, that happens like in this first scene. We just find out Dina is like, I don't know if I want to ma- get married like before or after I graduate college. She's like, because I know it's not traditional, but I would like to be married in college, which sounds awful, and. Then, I don't know, even though it's not traditional, and she's like, I don't like traditional wedding march, and she wants to use the Spice Girls wannabe, which was released in the United States in 1997. Mm -hmm. So she's, like, committed. She loves the Spice Girls. Which, Uh, I guess, means that, I guess, in 10 years when she decides to get married, she will still love the Spice Girls. Hopefully. We can only hope. (laughs) I guess that's what... I thought you said that's how the entire series was going to end. Dina and Simon were going to get married to the Spice Girls. No, that's a fic I wrote. That's (laughs) That's your fanfic? That's my fanfic. Uh, Speaking of future fanfic, when they're talking about their future non-existent wedding, we find out that Ruthie's going to be the maiden of honor. Because she doesn't want to be the maid because she doesn't clean so good because her elbows aren't very strong. Oh, I didn't even pay attention to that, that part. Wow. That's why she doesn't want to be the maid. The next scene we have of them is uh, them walking into the love den, and Simon says, well, what, are, what is your opinion on stocks, stocks and bonds, <laughs> and what do you think we should invest in? And she says, we should invest in love, <laughs> in our family and friends. And then anything that's left over, they should invest into the arts, because Dina herself is a singer, and she does tap, so she's an artist, um, and that's kind of like, the, that conversation trails off. They go upstairs. Um, I think the final real, like, Dina thing going on is... Is right before the wedding. Yes. She comes in with her uh, wedding outfit where... I feel like velvet was, like, kind of a very... Like, yes. a 90s thing. It was. She's wearing this, like, velvet half sweater. I don't know how to describe it. It's like a this, crop top sweater. And this is when she's wearing the choker. Yeah, this is when she's wearing the choker. And we find out that, actually, Dina and the Rev have history. Um, well, it's weird, too, because the first thing that Dina says to the Rev is, 
um, my life wouldn't be like the way like the way it is today without you. And I was like, she spent like a few hours at the, the Camden house, and, and she's it's changed her life. It's so transformed her life. But apparently, Dina and the Rev know each other from counseling. We don't know what kind of counseling, what she's there for. Maybe it's her family. Um, I do have a, a one line beforehand. Uh, where the Rev says that she's looking beautiful, and she goes, thank you, I feel beautiful, <laughs> which is, you know, not how I accept a compliment, but okay. And uh, so then Dina just kind of, in the end of their conversation is this, that Dina is like, I don't think I'm ready to tell your family yet that, like, we know each other or that you counsel me, so, like, please don't say anything to Simon. And he's like, oh, okay, I mean, yeah, so. Um, before we end the Simon Dina storyline, I just uh, remembered another moment we have like this small moment in the kitchen where simon and dina are sharing a soda (laughs) they don't really there's they don't really talk during it but they are sharing a soda yeah i mean do we just want to do that now because there's there is a little bit of counseling that goes on during that scene in that um uh, our our war veteran yeah part of well as we said in the synopsis Annie brings home a war World War II veteran, and he walks into the kitchen while uh, Simon and Dina are sharing the soda, and he t- talks about how he used to have a girl that he would share Kath- soda. Kathleen. Kathleen Garrity, who had... Um, well, first he says that she had red hair and green eyes, and then just in case you didn't get the idea that she was Irish, we find out her name is Kathleen Garrity. Um, and before the war... This man is a World War II veteran. I think I said that, yeah. Um, they used to share sodas probably down at, like, the five and dime. Um, and then, or the, the automat, that's what they were called back then. Yeah, and then when he went, or just the soda fountain, just the, the so many options. But uh, then uh, when he went to war... She used she, to write every wrote, day. She would write letters every day, and then after a while she stopped because she found someone else. And then Simon asks if he ever found anyone again, and he was like, no, that was my true love, and once you find it, like... Don't let it go. And then he kind of like, once you find everything you're looking for, don't let it go. And he kind of like gestures to like Dina or like winks or something. So um, I don't know if this man knows that Simon is 12. But but this reinforces your idea that they're going to get married. So, yes, I mean. In my dreams. But even though all of, all of the signs point to the fact that Dina is the perfect girl for Simon, when Simon is having a conversation with Ruthie right before the wedding, he says that, She's not looking so good compared to his checklist. So who the hell knows what's on Simon's checklist? Like, what qualifies to be Simon's girlfriend? But it's not anything that Dina's doing, apparently. Just one more. I feel like I'm going to get shit for people who, like, love Cecilia, who is another one of Simon's girlfriends. Do you know who Cecilia was played by? Uh, Haley Duff? No, no. Ashley Simpson. Yes. <laughs> I do. She was, like, okay, but I always thought that Dina was... You know, Ashley Simpson hangs around for a long time after she's done dating Simon, and she kind of got on, like, she's okay then, but when she was dating Simon, I didn't like her, so. I guess I'll have to form my own opinion in the future. <laughs> yeah. Um, Preview for when Cecilia comes in. I guess we can mention what's going on with Ruthie in this scene, or. Yeah, I guess she kind of ties into all of the storylines, but um, her storyline kind of concludes in a scene with Simon in which um, earlier in the episode, she kind of says that Huey is back because he flew in for the wedding. Um, and at the, at the end of her kind of storyline, she has a s- small scene with Simon before the wedding where she says that um, that Huey is, like, gone forever. She was just pretending he was there the whole time. And Simon is like, why is that any different 
from any other time he's here. And she was like, because he's really not, like, he used to actually be here. So this goes back, I'm going to just say it again, that she really did lose her, her innocence when she let go of Hui the first time. This uh, And they tie this in really well with how they've kind of upgraded Ruthie's personality, which obviously I think has a lot to do with the fact that the actress playing Ruthie, Mackenzie Rosman, is also growing up, so they're able to give well, her... They have, they have to. Right, they are giving her more material. But um, I think, you know, before when she, like, always had these, like, cutesy kind of lines and moments going on, now she's a lot sassier, she talks back a lot more, she has her own opinion, um, she fights back against everyone, and I think... She's got some good zingers, right. which we'll get to when we get to Lucy's storyline. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, the fact, this, like, losing her innocence by losing Hui, it, it plays like in her character. It. Yes, yeah. exactly. So this is actually good character work by Seventh Heaven. Congratulations for doing something right. I th- like I said, I think she's like the most. Co- I don't know if it's because like she was so young when they started the show, but she's like the most consistent throughout the run. That they like, she always kind of got the same personality. So, um, so then I guess we'll do Lucy. Um, as we said earlier, Lucy and Jordan are babysitting Ruthie. Uh, we find out that Jordan can cook, and by cook <laughs> we mean he can make hot dogs. Yes, which I think is only what like. Boiling, boiling water, water right? Yes. yes. I was going to say, is there any other way to make hot dogs? Because that's how I, I make mean, my hot dogs. You don't dogs. even need to boil it, like, because they're already cooked. You just have to heat. Th- you could probably put them in the microwave. I don't know. I've never done that. That sounds kind of gross. Uh, there's a scene between um, Ruthie, Lucy, and Jordan now, where Ruthie introduces Jordan to Hui. Hui likes his hot dog with mustard and ketchup. Mixed together before it's on the hot dog. Jordan is playing the role of perfect boyfriend because <laughs> he's accepting of Hui, and he's like, Ruthie, you don't need to like say all of Hui's answers out loud. Obviously, I can hear him, you know, appeasing the young child. Yeah, and then uh, I think like Ruthie like kind of whispers to Lucy, like, oh, I like him better than I liked Jimmy Moon or that Rod guy. And Lucy says, it's not polite to talk about your ex-boyfriends in front of your current boyfriend. And Jordan hears this, and he's like... Like, boyfriend? Which... As I said, this is a contrived plot point because they've been dating since the beginning of the season. But this is only the second episode that we've seen him in, right? Yes, but like she's consistently like denied other people because she's like, I have a boyfriend. I'm already dating someone. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, in the in the last the, episode, right? Yeah, or the one before that when, when Stevie Stevenson was yeah, trying to hit on, on her. To her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she like. Ref- and we don't see her in all these other episodes dating anybody else. She so so she just looks horrified by the like and embarrassed, mortally embarrassed. Um, and Ruthie ex- like knows right away something's going on. So I think the Rev walks into the room and he kind of reads the vibe, and he's on his way out. I don't know what he's doing. He's just going out, and he kind of like reads the room, and he uh, sees that Ruthie is kind of like in the middle of this. I don't know, conflict between Jordan and Lucy. So he's like, Ruthie, uh, why don't you come and take a ride with me? And Lucy, oh wait, and Ruthie goes, don't cry or anything until we get back to Lucy, which is great. Yes, fantastic. Uh, and when Ruthie and the Rev leave, Jordan turns around and sees that Lucy, Lucy has ran away. Um, and where has Lucy run to? Well, in traditional Lucy uh, fashion. She's she, hiding in the closet. Yes, with the door closed again. Um, And somehow Jordan knows that this is her hiding place. Um, And then I would say in the closet, they kind of make up in that 
Jordan is like, well, I don't really know where I stand with you because you're like a mystery, which, I mean, I think Lucy kind of shows all her cards, right, like, all the time. Yeah, but she's following right? the rules now, and the rules tell you to be a creature that... Like no other. Exactly. But I think they tell you not to be, like, mysterious or whatever. So he was like, I don't know if you're seeing other guys, because sometimes, you know, you don't call me, or you don't talk to me at school, whatever. But he's like, I like the mystery that you are, though. So, um... And instead of, like correcting him about the fact that, like, Jordan is the only one she's seeing. She goes, well, you're my special guy. And oh, because well, I think she's trying to play it cool because he never, he doesn't say at this point that he's been, like, seeing other girls, but she said, because she does say, I have been seeing other guys, which is a total lie unless she counts Stevie hitting on her as having, like, seeing other girls. Like, she literally saw him. Um, again, I really don't get the point of the storyline. Um... So they decide that they're not going to call, like, she's not going to call him her boyfriend. Uh, He's just her special guy. Uh, Everything's okay. And then she gets up and goes piggyback on him. (laughs) I think... Goes piggyback on him. So, and I think this, like, ties into what uh, I, like, felt watching this episode. Um, Lucy is very tiny. We've spoken about this earlier. Uh, She's very... Life petite. is that light? The petite, yes. And Jordan looks like he belongs in college. So there's a, like a physical dynamic here, which plays out a couple of times in this episode. The first time being her go, her be, riding piggyback, um, and then the next time this happens is they, she rides piggyback again. No, there's oh. um, they're in the couch in the love den, and uh, I think he says something about I need to be honest with you or something. And she's, he says that I, I've been on a date with another girl. And she says, yeah, as long as it's not Ashley, Ashley this girl that I hate, I'm perfectly okay with that. Guess what? It's <laughs> Ashley. Of course it's Ashley. So apparently Ashley knew that, her, that Jordan and Lucy were going out. And, and for some reason Ashley is like hell-bent on destroying Lucy's life. Or, I mean, as she knows it. I don't, she just has to... So anyway, so Jordan is like, we went out once. I don't like her. She spent the entire time talking about uh, the entire, like, Jimmy Moon saga, which I could have done without. And Lucy freaks out. And then the next scene we have of them is out outside at the, the basketball. Can we mention that yeah. Jordan's date with Ashley, which, by the way, Jordan is a senior. Ashley is also a sophomore. Why is this kid oh, consecutively yeah, yeah. dating sophomores? But her their date is going to see God with the Wind. And, and then they got coffee. coffee which, what? Who, what high schooler? I mean, I guess if you're like, I'm so, like, oh, I'm so mature for Maybe, my age. Maybe, like, the movie got out late and, like, they went to, like, a diner after or something. Whatever. That's, I don't know, that's a thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, so the next scene is, for some reason, Lucy is shooting hoops. She's not, though. She's just throwing the ball as hard as she can at the backboard. And Jordan is like, oh, you're mad at me, which is why she's, you know, expressing her rage by throwing the ball at the backboard. Um, and She refuses to talk about it, so he's like, fine, I'm leaving. If you still want me to be your date for the wedding, let me know. But as soon as he's about to open, like, the, fe- the fence gate, the gate fence, what is the word for that? The door? The door. Like, well, I mean, the, open, the, the door in the gate. To leave, she throws a basketball that's supposed to be aimed for his head, which is not cool, um, but and, she misses because she's not the basketball player. And right. she hits the the fence, 
Um, I have no idea how this argument is resolved, by the way. Neither do I. I was going to say, it, it's it's a... Oh, I remember. Wait. Doesn't the rev come come no. in? Oh. Um, first, she sa- like he says, I don't have any feelings for Ashley. What I'm concerned about is the fact that you seem to still be, like... In love uh, with Jimmy Moon. Right. And she says, I don't even think about Jimmy Moon. This was all just a big misunderstanding. And then she goes piggyback again. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, this time he carries her bridal style. Oh, yes, and that's when the Rev walks in. Uh, which, by the way, he had walked in when she was p- riding piggyback also. So this is, like, I guess a ga- like a continued gag throughout the episode. Yeah, it's like the Rev walking in while this large man who's, like, 30 years, 30 years old is carrying his daughter around. Um, and that's really it for Lucy and Jordan in this episode. Um, and I think the next thing we'll do is talk about Annie's storyline. Yes. So, so this will take us back to the beginning of the episode. Um, I know that we finished Lucy's storyline, and you're all probably w- wondering, guys, where's your Lucy is the worst moment? I don't think that's what they're wondering. Well, I, I, well, I was going to, I mean, you said, I have one, but you said that. No, go for episode, it then. Well, it's just the, the like, Matt just not being, like, up, you know. First of all, I don't think she's ever really been mysterious. Like, every time that. With, you know, with Jimmy Moon or whatever, she kind of was, like, too eager and, I don't know, or maybe just eager enough. Um, but the pretend, not correcting Jordan and lying and saying that, like, oh, I have been seeing other people. Because that kind of, like, leaves, I don't know, it could have all been resolved in the closet because she could have been, like... Resolved in the closet. I know. <laughs> and, and, I don't know. Um, and also the overreaction to the, the Ashley thing uh, and, and not just put... I don't know. Uh, the whole thing, the whole storyline bothered me because it was, like you said, contrived and unnecessary and none of it had to happen. Um, yeah, they could have just had, like, some random moments where they had Lucy and Jordan in the background. Right. They, or they could have just had this, like, been... The episode where they decide that they're going to be... Right, right, where they just discussed, like, oh, you haven't been seeing anyone else? Oh, well, I went on one date with Ashley. Maybe having a small conflict surrounding that, but resolving it in, like, the same scene and then deciding okay, we're dating, and, like, you are now my boyfriend. Instead of having two separate fights throughout the episode. Right. Both of which that get resolved super quickly. And and a lot of, like, well, the storylines we haven't talked about yet do this, where, like, there's a small conflict, it's resolved, and then, like, another stupid small conflict is introduced, and then it's just as quickly resolved, where none of, like, it could have all just been one, one conflict and one resolution. Done with better writing, and your time is better spent watching. Yeah. So that is, I guess... Aaron's Lucy is the worst moment. Um, I didn't really have a Lucy is the worst moment, but inside I decided to, instead I decided to do an Annie's the worst moment, which is, is right in the beginning of Annie's storyline, uh, because Annie is being an adult Lucy. So I guess in a through the transitive property, it is a Lucy is <laughs> the worst moment. Um, as we mentioned from the cold open, Annie is not okay with her father getting married so much so that she it almost seems like she's sabotaging. The wedding, um, not the wedding, the reception. She decides, like we now we know from well, from us talking, but also just Seventh Heaven uh, consistency. She's like a really great cook, and she's constantly making all these amazing baked goods or like elaborate dinners for her family. So, like doing this reception, if she plans it correctly, should be quite easy for her. Um, but she decides that for the cake, she's going to get a frozen pound cake, frosting, and a Barbie and Ken doll for the. 
like, I don't know what you call the, the little... The topper. The people on the top. Yeah, the toppers. Um, and then, but she can't, like, decide what to get for food. Uh, she, like, doesn't want to spend too much money on it. Oh, she decides she wants to get something that can be refrozen easily because she's convinced that there's going to be no wedding. And, like, the fact that... I understand that this is obviously, like, a valid thing that happens where your parent is getting remarried and you don't want your other parent to be replaced. And I understand that. But the way that Annie is acting here is superbly bratty and it annoyed me so and she even has a line that i wrote down because it annoyed me because the rev is like come on it's she has to get ready she has to do all this stuff for the wedding and he he's like kind of like uh, like get out of bed and do something and she's like i don't like it you can't make me like it and i was like that's such a loosey thing to say and such a juvenile i don't know um so I think the Rev finally convinces her to go shopping for the reception because... There's only two hours. Well, we see it's like 4 o'clock, and we they say that the wedding's at 6 or something. So finally at 4 o'clock, Annie goes to the grocery store, um, but she does not get into... The actual grocery store because uh, there is a homeless man being kicked around outside. We find out that the he's not being like he's not actually being kicked around. He was kicked once. The store. Oh yeah, he does. Kick, all right, but the guy who owns the store is like, get out of here. Um, you, I don't know. You're chasing chasing people away from my store. Dirty old man. Yes. Uh, we find out that this is Sergeant Millard Holmes. He is a veteran and he is homeless. And it is Veterans Day. We find this all out in this one scene. Right. He's like, I'm a veteran. And if you haven't noticed, it's Veterans Day. And Annie says, I'm Annie and I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. Uh, Annie decides to bring the veteran home. Uh, she recruits the Rev to help out with the Reverend, who is with the, with the, with the veteran, <laughs> who's waiting outside of the car. Uh, the Reverend starts tearing up because... That's what he does. Yes. Um, and then they let him use their shower, and they um, give him some clothes. And he's still hanging around the house, as we said, because he goes and he um, gives Simon this advice that he needs to marry Dina. Um, We have a scene where the Reverend doesn't actually believe that Sergeant Millard Holmes is who he is. Um, He, because... The Rev says, why isn't he using any of the veterans, like, services that are available here in Glen Oak or, like, any of the agencies? And he's, he has to show his, like, dog tags to prove himself. Um, yeah. Which I guess, like, this is super, cons- con- like, conspiracy theory of me, but you could also just steal somebody's dog tags. It doesn't, like, have a pic- yeah, like, your dog it, tags don't have, like, like, a picture. Right, yeah. exactly. I mean... I mean, but, you know, the whole thing is set, it's seventh heaven, so, well, okay, so Annie didn't get any food or anything, and then she's, like, laying down to take a nap, and the Rev is like, the wet, the wedding's in, like, a half hour, and she's like, it'll be a 15-minute nap, um, and she's still, like, in a bathrobe and looking like she, like, hasn't even showered. Um, I think before all this happens, because the Rev storyline ties into Annie's storyline, the Rev decides to do some investigation on Veterans Day into why... Oh, God, yeah. He takes on the federal government again. Why isn't, um, why isn't the sergeant, the veteran, taking, like, advantage of these things? Yeah, why isn't he, like, being provided services from, So, I guess he goes, I guess he goes to the, like, to a VA center, right? I think that's what we're supposed to believe. Yeah, he goes to, like, the VA offices... And Which are closed on Veterans Day because it is a, a federal go- holiday, and this is a government like service. We also gather like 
they're having a, it's like a Saturday or Sunday too. So not only is it a federal holiday, but um, it's the weekend. So this office probably would not be. It's not like a VA hospital. It's just like an office building. So uh, he like slams on the door. Apparently, somebody's actually in because they're catching up on work on Veterans Day. Um, they have a back and forth where the rev basically makes pleas about how you should be open 24-7 because men are laying down their lives for this country 24-7. Um, and he, yeah, like, brings like, up Millard's name, and apparently Millard is, like, notorious within Glen Oaks Veterans Services Centers um, for not taking advantage of the things. I guess the Reverend, like, Reverend figures out his, like, backstory comes back home, and then they have a heart-to-heart. Um, I don't actually get the point of all of this because it's not resolved at all. Well, I don't. I, I have, like, an issue with this because it did not address the fact that, like, the Rev never... I don't know, the fact that there's, like, the VA sucks, and, like, even if, like, this guy did want to take advantage of their services, it probably wouldn't be, to, like, to the level that he needed. So, and they never... But this guy... So when... when so I keep going... Mil- I wrote him, I keep writing down Milton, but his name is Millard. Millard. So the Rev comes home and he's like, "Oh, why don't you do all of this stuff that you can do that the VA will provide for you?" Um, we and- find out he was injured in the line of duty. He was shot in the leg, yeah. um, which I guess would mean that he was honorably. He might have been honorably discharged. Would, wouldn't that mean he got a Purple Heart as well? Well, especially because he served from 1942 to 1944, which means... In European theater. Yes, which means that he would have left early. Like, I, my my knowledge of the of World War II is that you stayed until it was done, unless you were, like, a POW or you, like, a, a released POW or you uh, were injured in some way and you couldn't, like... But when did the, when did the fighting in the European theater end? It was nineteen. It was nineteen forty-five, wasn't it? May Day. Oh, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. So he. So I'm. We're. I'm. We're going to assume here. The backstory is that he when was he discharged, sh- yeah, honorably because of his injury, um, but he says something along the lines of, "I. I can still walk. They. Sh- the government money should go to somebody without a leg." Yeah, this is his reasoning. I just wrote down like Miller bootstraps. He's like, he doesn't want any help that he doesn't need, um, so. He, and he's like, I'm perfectly fine living on the streets. It's just like when I don't, I don't know, have food or anything, I get like a little, I don't know, angry or something. No, he like, he like he's willing to look for help when he's like at like his wit's end. But otherwise, like, but he doesn't want to go to the government because he says it's not his right to live in the U.S. It's his privilege to live here. Yes, he goes on this, yeah. I, it's his, so his argument basically is that Everything that he did for this country doesn't mean that he's owed anything, whereas the Rev's argument is that you did a lot for this country, so you are definitely owed like for it. And like in this scenario, I don't honestly know who I would side with. I mean, obviously, I think like people have the right to decide what they should be doing, but I also think the Rev has like a very good point. Well, I mean, also, it's just like, he, it's not even like, I don't know, he needs health care, like, or anything. He needs a place to live. Right, yeah. Like, it's not, it, it, it's a very basic, uh, like, he, he, I don't know, we kind of get the idea, he's hungry, too. When, when Annie meets him, he says that he hasn't, like, eaten anything, um, and that's why he's hanging out by the grocery store, but, like, he, he doesn't, it's not like he's, like, taking advantage or, like, trying to, right, like, scam exactly. the government. He needs, like, basic 
necessities, and he's like, no, I, I can get along just fine. But, like, this, like, you would assume that in, like, 7th Heaven fashion, this would be resolved in some way, where the Rev, like, has some words and convinces this man that, no, you should be taking advantage of the services that are available to you. But he's, like, pretty much set. And we and the Rev's like, uh, I don't know, somehow the wedding comes up. And the Rev says something about how he needs to do something about the reception because Annie's doing fuck all about it. And this is when I really thought it was a scam. <laughs> because she, cause he goes, oh, wow, I'm a short order cook. I was a short order cook for 40 years. All I need is some money, the keys to your house, and the car keys. And when you come back, everything will be done. Which is the sketchiest thing. Like, oh, okay, stranger. Here, have... And I think... So then the Rev takes out his wallet, and we see that he just has a photo of Lucy in right. it. And just a note on something we... Like, I am ugh, so upset that we missed in a more recent oh, last yes. episode. Um, so since he's just got a picture of Lucy, in the last episode, Lucy was wearing a shirt at some point that just right said... Right in the beginning of the episode. Yeah, it said, Daddy's Girl. And in it was, glitter. And it was all glittery, and... Wow, what a fashion choice. Um, so here we see why she's got that shirt. She's the only picture in the Rev's wallet. And he gives this guy like $100. More than $100. And He's giving him multiple $100 bills. No, I thought it was a bunch of 20s. I saw it, like it looked, five or six 20s. So I thought it was like five or $600 bills. No. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you look at like the spread that he makes in the future, it, it's a fuck ton of food. He yeah. has to spend a lot of money for that. Well, anyway, I saw $20 bills. <laughs> um, so... Um, and then he just hands over the house keys and the car keys, and then the Rev goes and... and oh, he already told Annie about this. So the, then they all go to the wedding, but... We should... Let's talk about um, Annie's story. Uh, well, let's well, finish Annie's storyline. Because before the wedding, I don't know if they're at the Glen Oak Lodge or if they're at the church getting ready. I think they're at the Glen Oak Lodge, but um, the one scene that I want to talk about, because this will end Annie's storyline once and for all, is that... <laughs> she never has any more storylines. <laughs> um, Ginger is finishing getting ready, and Annie, for some reason, is showered and her hair is done. Uh, I guess that really was a quick 15-minute nap, and then an even quicker shower, and then clothes, and then makeup and hair. Everything. Everything. It was magic. Um, but she like blatantly is like, look, I ain't happy about this. Like... Uh, I can't come to terms. I can't come to terms with this. I don't like it. And Ginger's like, well, "Yeah, we know. We were gonna wait for you to like be okay with it, but then we realized that's never gonna happen. So or it might never happen." Um, and she's like, "Yeah, you're right." So they have a heart to heart where Ginger's like, "I won't replace your mom. I won't tell them to call me grandma. I know this is hard for you." And Annie's like, "Thank you so much for understanding." She's with me always when I put a barrette in Ruthie's hair. Or when I sew a button like she taught me. So I guess that's like a good... Like Annie finally acts like an adult yes, and actually exactly. just like talks to someone about it. So um, that's good. Yes, <laughs> that is good. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's it for Annie. Um, I guess like she's come to some sort of happy medium about where she's at with her father's wedding. Um, now let's go to Ginger and Grandpa. Yeah, uh, another super contrast. Like, this This is basically the Jordan and Lucy storyline, but with older people. I think we should, we'll do Ginger and Grandpa alongside Matt and Mary. Um, so Matt and Mary go to the Glen Oak Lodge, uh, where they meet up with Ginger and Grandpa, who I think are just finishing up lunch, breakfast, lunch, or something. Yeah. Um, 
there's something going on here. I don't know why this conversation takes place, but basically Matt's like, hey, we sh- the men should hang out, and then the woman, women should hang out. No, I think the, the original suggestion is that they're all going to hang out together. Uh, Matt's like, do you want us to take you, I don't know, wherever? And then uh, Grandpa Jackson, Grandpa Charlie is like, oh, why don't you drop off, what, Matt, why don't we take Ginger and Mary and drop them off at the house so all the girls can be together before the wedding, and then you and I go for a drive, and then they're like, go for a drive where? And he's being kind of like cagey, and Ginger is like, you want to go to the cemetery, and you want to like lay flowers on your... Uh, May? No. That's her middle name. Never mind. Yeah, what was her name? What oh, was... poor grandma. We forgot her name. I can um, flip back to well, Annie's. Find it. Annie's mother's. So basically, she's like your your ex well ex wife at dead wife. Um, you want to go and like lay flowers on her grave and like see her or whatever. And you can't do that today because um, it's our wedding day and it's just like inappropriate to, to think of her on our wedding day. And I don't know. I know we had some feeling like that's just so stupid. And not, um, like, that's not a valid concern. And, and, and I think Grandpa, I don't know if this is the exact place where he says this, but he sa- he kind of says, every time I come back to Glen Oak. Yeah. Also, why is she buried in Glen Oak? Because I think they lived in Glen Oak before, and then they moved to Phoenix. I think, I thought, though, we decided on when, like, Rachel, when the friend Rachel came and visited, we were like, what is she doing in Glen Oak? Because oh, we were uh, presuming that, like, Annie originally- was from Phoenix. Oh, actually, oh, that's a good point. I was actually thinking that, too, in my head, but I thought it was because they were all originally from Glen Oak. And, uh, I don't know, I still think closer. people get buried, like, where, I don't know, I'm pretty sure most people still tr- arrange to have, like, their funerals and stuff. Especially in, because... In, in the l- place where they are currently, like, where they live when they die. Especially because in episodes previous, um, Grandpa Jackson tried to... St- give the funeral plots away. And wait, does that mean the funeral plots were in Phoenix? Were Annie and the Rev going to be buried in Phoenix? Or are... I guess their plots are in Glen Oak. So are Ginger and um, Grandpa's plots in Glen Oak, even though Ginger has no connection to Glen Oak whatsoever? All of her family's in Phoenix. Yeah, I don't... (laughs) (laughs) This continuation. This makes no sense. No, okay, right. Um, So anyway, but Grandpa says, like, I, I go see, you know, I go to the cemetery every time I'm in Glen Oak, um, so this is, like, not any different just because it's our wedding day, um, and that kind of starts. So then they're fighting, and they tell Matt and Mary just to go away, but don't go back to the house because... Eric and Annie can't know about this. They can't know that they're fighting. Because Which would, like, it, they could very simply just be like, oh, Matt and Mary go home, and they're like, why are you home? It's like, oh, they didn't need us. <laughs> That's it. Um, they're fine. But instead, hijinks ensue. Um... So what we get from this scene, though, is, like, Jack, uh, Grandpa Jackson saying, well, maybe if you don't want to get married, we shouldn't get married. And she's like, I think maybe you're right. And suddenly the wedding is off. As Annie <laughs> predicted. I think that was in the user summary. <laughs> yeah. um, and so the rest of the episode is spent, like, fighting can, and dealing with this. We can get this, this out of the way. It's yeah. stupid. They're in rooms across the hall from each other, and they keep arguing about, like, um, Grandpa says that, Oh, well, first, Ginger is like, oh, you think, I'm so sick of hearing about how good your, you know, her, her, how, how Annie's, I'm just going to call her Annie, Annie's mother, how good her sweet potato souffle is, and then 
Grandpa Charlie is like, oh, and I know you, you never let me forget the Jack, who we can presume is uh, Ginger's first husband. He he died with a full head of hair, and of course, Grandpa Jackson is bald. They basically and, throw, like, each other's, significant others in each other's faces. Like, yeah. one of them is a, like, could be a professional golfer. The other one is, like... The sweetest woman alive. Uh, barbecue sauce was involved at some point. <laughs> Jack made a great barbecue sauce. Um, anyway, they're like fighting back and forth about this, slamming, as we said, slamming doors in each other's faces. Yeah, like they keep running back and forth between their rooms to say like one line and then slamming the door. Um, but like what we get, I guess, from this is that, I don't know, cold feet stuff, like normal pre wedding jitters, but. But it's, it's their second marriage, so they have all this other stuff to throw in each other's face. I don't know. Um, so then, while this is going on, Matt and Mary are like, well, what do we do? Where do we go? So Mary grabs a map. <laughs> goes, road cl- trip. Closes her eyes, picks a spot on the map. She picks a, she picks a place called Turtle Mound. And uh, she reads some facts about it, including that people from seven countries have visited it, and I was like, that's not a lot. (laughs) I think she meant to say several, but it came, like, it sounded very much like seven. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Because I was thinking about that. I was like, that makes no sense. It must mean, like, she must have meant another word. Um, Yeah, I was like, that's not, uh, or I was just thinking, like, they were setting it up to be, like, a terrible, like, you know, if they oh, are, a terrible tourist attraction. Yeah, 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 like like a big like a tourist trap. Um, so anyway, if you are unfamiliar, well, I we'll get to this. Turtle Mound is a real place. Yes, um, I have some facts on it. <laughs> so the the next scene we have with Matt and Mary is them driving down a like highway. You said it looked like Death Valley. Yeah. Um, and, so <laughs> and we have and if Matt chugging a gallon of milk, um, and Mary dancing, and then she kind of steals the milk away from him, and she won't give it back. Until he dances, so this is probably going to be our video on our world-famous Instagram. <laughs> that Maybe Barry Watson will like this video again. Well, he's going to be... T- I'm going to, like, mention him again in the comment to be like, Hey, Barry, you said that was great. Now look at this. Remember when you drank milk? And it was like... It looks like it was hot out. Yeah, it does look like it was really hot out. Um, then there's a flat tire. Yes. Um, there's a flat tire. They don't have a spare. Uh, nobody knows how to change a flat tire. It's this whole big thing. Uh, they can't walk to the, like, to Turtle Mound. Um. And they can't walk back because the last service station they passed was an hour ago where they, we find out that they picked up milk and cookies for the road trip. So they are, like, kind of, like, shit out of luck. Um. There's actually this great moment. I think, I think Barry Watson is kind of my favorite person. Um, I mean, not only because of, um... You know, him liking our Instagram and commenting. But also... No, you've always really... Yeah, I, re- I just really like... You love Matt. Because I feel like he, like, crosses the line between acting and then just how he really feels about being on 7th Heaven. Because in, like, there's a scene here where he is, like, mocking uh, Mary when she's really excited about the road trip. And he goes, road trip, yippee! And he does this, like, great sarcastic thing. And I appreciated it. So so anyway, so while they, they're like, what are we going to do? And Matt takes out the map and looks at it like he's going to figure out where they are, and then he hands it to Mary, and he says that uh, it is a map of Florida, um, and they, of course, are not in Florida. Not only Florida, but 1969 Florida. Which Mary thinks is pretty cool. Um, so I guess, like, history preserved or something, and they're like, oh, the previous owners must have left it in the car. So um, this kind of 
is resolved in that a tow truck just magically comes out onto this road that is, like, not traveled by anyone, and he stops for them, and uh, we Oof. find out that someone else saw, like, had seen them and called the tow truck. Well, if somebody had seen them, then why didn't they stop that r- other car? Right. I don't understand. I don't know who could have seen them. Um, but luckily... He's like, where's your spare? And, like, I don't have one. And they're like, why didn't you call someone, like, with a car phone or a cell phone? And they just, like, look at him, like, dumbfounded. It's like, what are you, like, Amish kids that are trying to run away? Yeah, he was like, what year are you living in? And I was like, 1998. It's not like everyone had a cell phone yet. Um, Uh, Right. Especially, like, teenagers. Like, I feel like, you know, the prevalence of every teenager having a cell phone. But you Uh, did say that the Camdens are, like... There are serious holdouts on technology forever. Uh, Uh, So then they ask how a cell phone works because they would like to call their parents for a credit card because neither of them have one um, to pay for the towing stuff or the fixing of the things. Um, And they're like, let's not call dad, let's call grandpa. So they call, so they ask about like how a phone works. And he's like, you know how a landline works? That's exactly how a cell phone works. Um, They call grandpa at the hotel. And. I mean, Grandpa is like... Every old person on the telephone or, like, with technology. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's like, oh, where are you trying... I don't know. He's like, where are you? Um, Where are you trying... Because they need a credit card, whatever. So they're like, we were trying to get to Turtle Mound. And he's like, Turtle Mound in Florida? Oh, it's like, you know, you don't need to go there. It's like, not where... I wouldn't drive all the way across the country for that. It's a bunch of seashells... Shaped like a turtle? Well, um, I guess. I mean, my facts are... Uh, yeah, it is. It's it's like... Uh, yeah, it it doesn't look like... I'm looking at a photo of it, and it doesn't really look like a turtle. <laughs> but it's a prehistoric archaeological site located... Wait, prehistoric? Nine, That's pretty cool. Yeah, located nine miles south of New Smyrna Beach, Florida, on State Road A1A. Um, it's in the National Register of Historic Places. Uh, it was added in 1970, so I don't know if that's like a little homage to the fact that the... Oh, the map's from 1969. Um, and it is the largest shell midden on the mainland United States. Uh, a midden? I don't know what that is. Has uh, it, have any of our listeners been to Turtle Mound? If so, what do you guys think? But the turtle-shaped mound contains oysters and refuse from prehistoric to... Mu- to mu- I'm not going to... It's prehistoric people. <laughs> You're doing great. Keep on going. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he makes some sort of thing where he's like, you shouldn't drive all the way to Florida to go see that um, because Grandpa doesn't understand that they've made a mistake and looked at the wrong map. Right. He thinks they're legitimately driving. On the day of his wedding, <laughs> they decided to drive from California to Florida to see an ar- a prehistoric archaeological site. Um. Somehow they finally, they're like, okay, yes, you can, uh, I will give you the credit card information, but doesn't matter because there might not be a wedding. And they're like, oh, you haven't resolved it yet? And just as soon as that happens, somebody knocks on the door. So Grandpa goes, hold on, and he puts the phone down. And on the before we get to what happens to Grandpa and the knock at the door, on the other end, it's just Matt screaming into the phone going, Grandpa! And it's great. Great Barry Watson acting. Yes. Um. So, okay. Um, <laughs> anyway, I guess it gets... The, the, the guy who lets them borrow the cell phone is, like, irritated because this is back in the day when you, like, 
paid your plan for mi- by minutes. Um, so, but we're assuming this gets all resolved at the because eventually the car is fixed, and th- we're told that if they drive, they'll get to the wedding an hour after it's over. It doesn't matter that they still have to get back. Like, <laughs> um, and they get into the car, and Matt makes some thing about it being all Mary's fault. And Mary pretends to fake cry, and then they, I don't know, do the sibling thing, and they drive off. Uh, meanwhile, back at the hotel, it's Ginger who's knocked on the door, and they resolve everything. They're like, "I want to get married to you." Like, yeah. <laughs> so then to wrap up, kind of Matt and Mary, um, they. The next scene we have is that there is a cop giving Matt a ticket, and we find out that he was rushing so so much to get to the wedding that, that he, was speeding. he was going 65 and a 55, and then he mocks Mary again because she, before they started driving, she was like, I don't know, drive fast, old man Camden or something. Yeah. So then he gives her the, because t- he's like, oh, my insurance is going to go through the roof. This is bad. Mom and dad are going to kill me. Then he gives, he's like, you have to pay the fine because you told me to drive fast and you thought we should go to Florida. Um, <laughs> and she's like, I, at least I know that, Not like. the speed, yeah. And he, I don't, and, and also she was shocked about the fact that there were fines and tickets. Oh, I also, okay, we skipped a few things in this. Um, just one thing. Um, the tow, the guy with the tow truck with the cell phone, there would be absolutely no service where they are. Right. They were in the middle of nowhere um, in 1998, I'm pretty sure, like, that's that's a place that today in 2017 you probably wouldn't get service in. So, back. I, that's really it for Matt and Mary yeah. to the very end, but we'll get to the very end when we return to everybody else's storylines. Um, so now that Ginger and Grandpa have made up and the wedding is back on, um, Grandpa decides to have a drink. I don't know. Or but, s- Yeah, is this... I, okay, this is after they yeah, decide th- that it's back on. Um so a man comes and sits next to him, uh, predicts that he is one getting married, two he's a widower, and three it's his second marriage. And Grandpa is like, "Are you a psychic?" And he's like, "No, but I'm the same thing. You know, I was a widower and I got remarried, and you just look like I don't know. You look like I did or something." He also doesn't know how to say widower because he was like widower. He just has like an accent. Um, so widower. Stop it. Um, and he... Talks order, about... He orders just a shot of the top shelf whiskey or scotch. I forget. But whiskey. Okay. Um, and he starts telling Grandpa Jackson why he shouldn't get married. Um, so his be- own story is that he was happily married for 35 years. Um, his wife passed away. Uh, he met this woman like 11 months a- or six months afterwards and they got married, and they stayed married for 11 months, and then she took all of his life savings um, and moved to Las Vegas. And now <laughs> his children are not talking to him. And he's in the Glen God Lodge drinking himself to death. <laughs> With his one shot of whiskey. So, like... So- but but I thought this was in here for to give Grandpa Jackson, like, oh, no, this is the wrong thing to do. But instead, the next scene is the Rev and him. Pre-wedding. Talk- I think these are supposed to, this is supposed to be happening at the same time that Annie is talking to Ginger uh, pre-wedding about, like, her mommy issues. Right. And... <laughs> And we, okay, so he, we find out that he's really nervous about tonight, about the wedding night. <laughs> and, I don't know, I guess we're supposed to gather that he hasn't had sex with Ginger, and that's why they're, like, staying in the separate rooms, and that's why he's nervous. 
And he's like, oh, do you feel weird talking about this? Um, yeah, he's like, I finally found, like, the topic that'll make my son-in-law uncomfortable. But also, I don't think that anything makes the Rev uncomfortable. Especially sex. He loves talking about yeah, sex. He like has it all the time. Topic. Um uh, one moment of 90s fashion, uh, Grandpa Jackson's wedding tie, it looks like a clown bow tie. It's very big on his neck and suit. It's like black and white polka dots. And he also says that living with Ginger is finding heaven on earth. <laughs> yes. Because he doesn't know what's going to happen in the afterlife. Oh, yeah. He's like, I don't know how the having two wives works in the afterlife. Like, if I get both of them or something really strange. <laughs> and then he's like, but I've got heaven on earth right here, right now. So I'm going to go for it. So we finally find out how big this reception is supposed to be because the only people at the wedding are the Rev who's officiating, Ginger and Grandpa who are getting married, and... Dina, who they just met today. (laughs) Jordan, who was only ever in that first episode and now is here making his second appearance. And all the kids but Matt and Mary. Matt and Mary, who, as we said earlier, are getting a speeding ticket somewhere. Um, They get married, you may now kiss the bride, and literally everyone kisses... Um, <laughs> Tina and Simon kiss. Lucy and Jordan have a very weird kiss, uh, where it's like their lips barely touch. Um, and then obviously the bride and the groom kiss and the bride kisses his wife, Annie. And Ruthie's like, well, I'm not kissing you to happy. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then we see them all the, go the whole family goes home and they, Go and they've been robbed by uh, the veteran. No, <laughs> that's not the, what happens. Or, so they walk into the dining room and there is a full like Thanksgiving Day spread out for the reception. There's, there's even like a, a two tr- two layer cake. Yeah. Um, so this two guy, tier, two tier, even though this layer. guy was only a short order cook, he's prepared a feast like a professional caterer. Yeah. There's a turkey. There's um, like wraps. There, there. I think there were carrots at some somewhere, or peppers yeah. or something. A two tier cake, um, just a bunch of things. But their kids aren't there, and the veteran is gone. So they decide. He, yeah. So, so the, they okay. Also, I'll get to this at the end. So they decide the 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 veteran left a note that says this is a family affair, even though Dina and Jordan are there. Um, so I figured I better get out of your way. Like, thank you for your help, but. I'm moving on. So they're like, we have to go get him. So, so as an entire family, they all out to get him. They all out to get him. They all go out to get <laughs> they're him. They all out to get him. I mean, it was it very easily could have just been like Annie and the Rev going, and everybody else could have enjoyed I know, the food. Like they, the, Ginger and Grandpa just got married, and they never even met this man. So what do they care? I guess because he prepared, they should thank him. So the whole family packs into the minivan, and I don't even think all of them would fit. Um <laughs> And they all go searching for this man. And while this happens, uh, Matt and Mary finally make it to the church uh, where nobody's there. And then they're like, ooh, they're probably at the reception. Go home. Nobody's there, but all the food's there. And they decide, fuck it. They're and- like, we're so hungry because all they had was cookies and milk all day. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they, like, they're like, we just won't. That- well, Mary's like, we can't. And Matt's like, right, we definitely won't touch the cake. And then they just like dig in, which is fantastic. So while Matt and Mary are feasting, um, it's suddenly raining in Glen Oak, or it has been raining even though the entire day it was sunny, and they find... It's always sunny in Glen Oak. It really <laughs> is, though. It's like no... So. What a joke you just made. Uh, <laughs> um, Sergeant Miller Holmes is, wa- Millard Holmes is Mill- walking, and uh, a car, which is a minivan, walk stops in front walks. of... 
<laughs> what kind of joke Stop. are you about to make? <laughs> Stops in, on the side of him, and in, like, the dark shadows of, like, the minivan and the man, the man walks into the mini- minivan, and then it fades to black. So it could have been just any old man in any old minivan, but I think we're led to believe that, <laughs> that it's, it's... Millard and, and the, the Camdens. Camdens. And Dina and Jordan. <laughs> um, so And the Jacksons now. Number one... Um, Totally out of character for the Rev and Annie to just let Matt and Mary be missing. Like, at a certain point, they obviously, unless Grandpa told them, like, oh, no, because they, they specifically called Grandpa for the credit card. Right. Because they didn't want their parents to know. And the entire day, Annie and the Rev just don't care about where Matt and Mary are, which is totally, like, that could have been another storyline. And they could have gotten rid of, like, Lucy's storyline because... Honestly, in any other episode, this would be a huge deal that Matt and Mary were just, like, missing all day. Um, Yeah, they even make light of it. They're like, maybe we'll find our other children. Right, and I don't know, like, maybe we're led to believe that, like, Grandpa said, like, oh, I talked to them, they're okay, you just can't know where they are. (laughs) Uh, Well, this is actually Grandpa's fault in the first place, because he told them not to go home, but to go anywhere else. Right, so this is all Grandpa's fault, and that's who Matt should be blaming. But... Anyway, um, I'm going to give this one a 3.5, or 3. I'm giving it a 3. Um, I think I'm going to have to agree with you and also give it a 3. I think I was going to give it a 2.5, but then I remembered... Matt's cu- acting. Yes, well, Barry, Barry Watson's acting. And I have to give it uh, a 3. Who uh, Do you have a best Camden for this episode? Um, I'm going to go with um, Matt. Really? <laughs> yes. Um, I was going to say Dina, but... <laughs> she's not a Camden yet. No, not yet. Um, I, th- I think I'm going to say Matt also. Even though he probably wasn't the best Camden, but I'm just going to give it to him anyway. But I mean, like, who else? Uh, uh, Ruthie with that zinger. Like, I'm just going to say Ruthie every <laughs> single week, and I'm going to find, like, one reason when she told Lucy... Yeah, no, it's going to be Matt because of his... The, the acting was really... His. Yeah, I'm going to say Matt. Um... Well, that is it for this episode. Um, our social media our plugging. Our 50th episode yes, is over. It's over. We did it. 50 episodes. What's going to what's gonna happen for the next 50? Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Um, but in the meantime, check out our celebrity-liked and commented Instagram. That's uh, at Camden Cash Show, uh, as well as our Twitter, which is also at Camden Cash Show. Or you can like us uh, on Facebook. But always remember that the best thing to do is to subscribe. iTunes. On iTunes. And where you can also give us some ratings and review. We give ratings to 7th Heaven. You give ratings to us. That's how that works. Only if you want to. We're not trying to coerce anyone. Right, obviously. (laughs) These are suggestions. God. You make them sound like commands. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not commanding anyone to do anything. So, um... I'm Tanvi. And I'm Erin. And this was our 50th episode of Camden Cast. There's no 